Today in Business from Wired. This episode is brought to you by ShipStation. You know, some things take a lot of work, like sending little robots to far off distant planets. And just as that's challenging, so too is running a successful e commerce business, especially when there's so much to do. So I want to introduce you all to ShipStation. Now, I love using ShipStation because of its easy to use dashboard, which makes managing orders and printing labels a breeze and super smooth. Oh, and the customer service is just out of this world. It's exactly what you need to help grow your business. Sign up for your free 60 day trial at shipstation.com slash tech news. That's shipstation.com slash tech news. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus, save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. Here's today's spoken edition of Wired Apple abandons the mass market as the iPhone turns luxury by Zachary Carabell. Big companies attract big attention, and none quite as much as Apple. Its quarterly reports have become something of a soothsaying moment for stock markets and the tech industry. And so Thursday's report garnered its usual share of outsized attention. As its market cap hovers near $1 trillion, Apple has gradually been shifting its strategy away from grabbing ever more market share and focusing instead on dominating the higher end of its markets. If there were ever a small doubt about that, the recent results made it screamingly clear. For sure, Apple continues to sell an astonishing number of iPhones along with its tablets and computers. It moved 46 million iPhones this last quarter. But that was basically unchanged from the last period last year, and fewer than expected. What was startling was the average selling price, nearly $800 per device, rather than the $750 that many had anticipated. If its average selling price continues on that trajectory, Apple could realize close to $1,000 per iPhone in the current quarter. It doesn't take a CPA to recognize how significant that is for the company's bottom line. What really caught investor and analyst attention, and not in a good way, was the company's announcement that it would no longer tell investors how many devices it sold in a quarter, and instead simply present overall revenue for its suite of devices. That did not sit well, and some analysts speculated that Apple was reducing its transparency because it has something to hide. Maybe. Apple has never cultivated a culture rife with transparency. While the hard edge of secrecy has ameliorated somewhat under Tim Cook as CEO, compared with the hyper secretive Steve Jobs, Apple rarely embraces the notion that it owes anyone an explanation of anything. Its decision to stop breaking out numbers of handsets sold, however, is jarring to investors who have, over the past decade, come to evaluate the company based on how many phones it sells, along with how much it sells them for. 
Apple, however, apparently does not judge itself that way, at least not to the degree that Wall Street analysts have. Instead, judging from its new devices, Apple is focusing on price and profits rather than sheer volume. That makes sense in a world where the basic functionality of the hardware Apple offers can be found in numerous other devices made for and sold for much less, whether by China's Xiaomi or Huawei, or Korea's LG and Samsung, or many others. Apple is losing market share in China and other parts of the developing world, which are still in earlier stages of mass smartphone adoption. The one exception may be tablets, where Apple's iPad retains a unique combination of form and functionality. Whether or not the world is ready to use tablets as a replacement for laptops and computers, however, remains an open question. And so Apple is gravitating to its strength, selling a commoditized product at a very high price, and as a part of a semi-open or partly closed ecosystem of services. Indeed, another change in how the company plans to present its financial picture is a more detailed breakdown of its services segment, which includes iTunes, the App Store, and Apple Pay, all of which presumably will be a greater share of its revenue and profit. Look then at where Apple is growing and where it isn't. It is gaining share in the wealthy countries of the European Union and in the United States, and flat or losing in places such as China, Nigeria, India, and the rest of the world formerly known as developing. But its profit is growing massively, and from what we can tell, growing everywhere. In a world where everyone will soon have a smartphone as surely as electricity, and the middle class will likely have a tablet or some form of computer, Apple has elected to be more like Tiffany or Mercedes, rather than Walmart or Hyundai. That means speaking to, as an aspirational clientele for whom brand, form, and function are all of a part, and where the higher price point is at times a sotto voce aspect of the appeal. It is hard to argue with that strategy, although it does make Apple a different sort of company than it was a decade ago, away from owning the market with a range of prices and products, and toward a premier provider in a mass world. It is also hard to see that strategy not producing incredible profits and cash for the coming years. Absent some tectonic disruption in communications akin to the introduction of the iPhone in 2007, which is not evident, but not impossible. In some sense, it is back to the future for Apple, which began in the 1980s selling a high-priced, elegantly designed Mac that eschewed the mass market. Unlike then, however, it is hard to picture Apple as a leading innovator of the next thing of things, whatever those may be. Rife with cash and focused on honing and defending a premier brand, it is more like a dynamic retailer than a tech disruptor. Those lines may, of course, blur, and those categories may not matter much in the end. But Apple today is one more sign of the dramatic transformation of the U.S. tech industry, from a gaggle of innovators and disruptors into a smaller clique of industry titans, with different mantras and different agendas. Goodbye to changing the world, hello to profiting from it. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more— and they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts.